welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We have an action alert and we're going to need you to make some calls to your congressman uh, and possibly your senators this hour on something that's called the Equality Act. It's actually the so-called Equality Act. H.R. 5 is LGBTQ special rights legislation that includes the uh, entire uh, comprehensive um uh, civil rights code for all intents purposes. In fact, it will be a threat to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that was passed in 1993 that actually assures religious liberty in this country, uh, echoing from the First Amendment in our constitutional rights. But we're going to be talking about that, so uh, get your phone ready, because we're going to need you to make some phone calls to Washington even as we're talking. With me on the phone, is our good friends from Liberty Council. Jonathan Alexander is the Governmental Affairs Council for the Liberty Council, and of course they are a legal advocacy organization for people of faith. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Well, thank you. Uh, We appreciate the work that Liberty Council does, and of course uh, all faith groups are on alert right now. We have sent out email alerts to our list. Uh, Calls have been made to Ohio congressmen, uh, and of course across the country people are making calls to Washington and telling them to vote no on H.R. 5, the so-called Equality Act. But again, this is SOGI legislation. This is LGBTQ special rights legislation that allows transgender men to enter in women's restrooms to enter uh, girls' athletic programs. Uh, It actually violates the privacy rights of women and children. Uh, Basically, people of faith also will be challenged with this legislation. I mean, this thing's pretty extensive and expansive, and this is a wish list of the left. They've been trying to get this done for some time. And so when they saw that they were able to take uh, both the House and majority, the Senate majority, and the presidency, uh, it's no holds bar as they're going forward with this radical agenda. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is their mothership. This is everything that they've wanted. And it's right that you mentioned the religious groups, the religious schools, uh, you know, some of these areas of public accommodation. But what we need to stress is just how invasive this is. This gets government tentacles in every aspect of your life, including inside of your very home. And we can explain how even home businesses, if you're selling things on Etsy, or eBay, how even your home business is now subject to the overarching rule and decrees of the LGBT agenda. It puts the force of federal government literally inside of your homes, of course in churches and synagogues and mosques. It does so in public accommodations and schools and areas of employment. It does so in literally every area of your life. This is the federal government shoving the LGBT sexual orientation and gender identity agenda down the throats of Americans. Let me read this portion of an alert. Uh, It says, The Equality Act would severely erode religious freedom. The Equality Act expressly exempts itself from Religious Freedom Restoration Act, our flagship religious liberty law. The the Equality Act's expansion of public accommodations could require churches and houses of worship to violate their beliefs regarding how they use their facilities. Its changes to employment law would prohibit some houses of worship from ensuring their clergy and employees abide by their doctrines or beliefs about marriage, sexual behavior, and the distinction between the sexes. Federal aid could be denied to students attending faith-based institutions unless those institutions abandon policy policies and practices reflecting their sincerely held religious beliefs about marriage and sexuality. Jonathan, I mean, this is a nightmare for sure. No, absolutely. On that first point that you made with regards to religious establishments, the civil rights law does affect the way that individual religious groups can hire or fire their own employees. And the greatest defense that we've had uh, the First Amendment, of course, being you know the strong words that we have to protect our religious freedom, but also RFRA, this bill, this 1993 law that passed, that put teeth into federal law, saying that this is the strongest protection that you need to fight cases on behalf of your faith. 
Well, this Equality Act comes right in and targets RFRA and says, RFRA cannot be a claim or a defense or bring a cause of action under the title RFRA. It is literally going right after our faith and saying that it will have no merit in the courts, it will have no standing to defend you. Any claim that you would have, any conscious objection or moral objection or religious objection that you have to the LGBT agenda being in your church, in your home, in your school, if you have a school associated with your church, in your place of employment, if you have a brick-and-mortar building, and even if you're literally just having a place of gathering, a farm stand where you're inviting folks to come onto your property and buy the goods that you're selling from your farm stand. All of these areas will now have the force of federal government forcing you to abide by whatever edicts the LGBT agenda wants. And it's so changing, right? The, as they stated, it's for LGBTQ, and this Q aspect, queer in their own words, applies to the over 102 different genders or sexual identities that they can come up with. It's an ever-changing standard that they can even wrap their heads around, not to mention the individual Americans that are now wanting to engage in culture, wanting to engage in business, that are going to have to contend with the force of government dictating how they do so with regard to the LGBT agenda. We're talking about uh, the RIFA law, or excuse me, the um, Equal Rights uh, Act, that's H.R. 5. We're asking you to call your congressman and, and urge them to vote no on the so-called Equality Act, which is basically in, 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 you know, inequity to everyone else. If you're a person of faith, if you're a woman uh, who will be invaded in the bathroom by a man that comes in uh, that's uh, transitioning to a woman or perceived to be a woman, you don't, you don't even have to be in transition or have surgery. You can be uh, psychologically predisposed that you think that you're a woman so I should be able to use their bathroom isn't that right Jonathan yeah, it's not a far yeah it's not a far-fetched thing we've, we've seen this for the past 10 or so years all across the country as more and more people realize what this transgender ideology is all about I mean these are bearded men that have stood in full nude in women's lockers and bathrooms or you know we had a case down in Florida at a planet fitness standing in the nude is able to He's facing the mirror and is able to see into the bathroom stalls of these women, these young girls that are changing in various areas, uh, levels of undress in the locker room. And there is nothing that a woman in that room can do to kick him out. There's nothing that a father can do, even if he sees a full-grown man follow his daughter into the bathroom. There is nothing he can do to prevent that uh, individual, however disposed they are, uh, if they're male, to go into the woman's bathroom because they'll be able to claim, oh, no, this is my gender identity. And there's, there's no proof, there's no objectivity to whether or not this individual is just using this law to gain access, or even if they think they are, biology says something completely different. And we've seen that across the states that have already tried to apply this. What makes this even worse is that and how it takes the force of federal government. And, and as an African-American, I, you know, I sort of remember the scenes or have been taught of the scenes of young black girls being ushered by U.S. marshals into desegregated schools. A great picture of what the federal government can do in an appropriate way to rectify the racial imbalances. It's taking that same image but flipping it on its head and now U.S. marshals would be able to force or department agencies across the federal government through policy would be able to force uh, young girls, young women, to now be in bathrooms, locker rooms, and showers with biological men. That's how rabid this law is, and that's just one aspect of it. When we talk about the privacy rights of women and children, the Equality Act, so-called, uh, the LGBTQ or SOGI law, special rights bill, uh, for those with, uh, uh, you know, gender dysphoria and sexual, uh, you know, uh, proclivities that, that you know that are uh, again lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer is the definition of LGBTQ. Uh, the Equality Act jeopardizes women's privacy and safety. Let me read this: The Equality Act's expansion 
of Title uh, II public accommodations definition means that females would no longer have privacy in public bathrooms, locker rooms, showers, or even uh, 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 women's shelters, battered women's shelters, excuse me. State and local laws to this effect are already causing fallout. A kindergarten was assaulted by a boy in her school bathroom. A rape survivor was forced to quit her job when her employer began allowing men into women's private facilities. A man was allowed residence in a shelter, and nine women are suing because they were sexually harassed. You know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This insanity that's being debated on the floor even as we speak, uh, Jonathan, and that's why we need people to call their congressman right now because it's being debated right now. Yeah, right now, and, and what you'll hear are these lofty words towards equality towards everyone being treated fair and decently. And that's, that's how they'll drive in uh, the majority of moderate uh, Americans that, that don't really know what's at stake. But what's truly at stake are all of what you've mentioned, the huge uh, examples that we have all across the country of ladies and young girls being forced now to be in these private intimate spaces with biological men. Uh, with regard to churches, it, it doesn't even apply to, to public accommodations. It ex- expands it to churches as well, where if you hold open your door and say, you know, come to our worship service, well, an individual can decide this is the bathroom you're going to choose. If you have a retreat center that you're holding, he can say, well, now I want to be able to sleep uh, with the girls, the young boys wanting and being able to sleep with the girls. If you're hiring employees, you could not even rely on your doctrinal basis or the foundation of your faith, if you have employees over 15, to say, well, we don't want to hire someone that violates that. We don't want to hire someone by their same-sex lifestyle or this individual that's presenting by a different biology. So this goes not only in public accommodations, but it applies it to the church. And one of the strongest defenses that we've had in this country up until that point, anticipating that folks would want to infringe whatever lifestyle on the church, has been RIFRA. But now this bill and this law comes directly, squarely against RIFRA and tries to cut it out. A majority of Americans are opposed to this. You know, we had a sampling here in Medina County in, in, in Ohio. And this is a, a bedroom community outside of Greater Cleveland and Cauga County. And the city now is uh, basically Democrat. The county is primarily Republican. But uh, the city government passed a... Uh, LGBTQ special rights ordinance with policing authority, similar to all this. Mm -hmm. We worked to uh, basically get them to stop it at city council. The council was majority Democrats, so they pushed it through. And the uh, gay groups were pushing for that to go through. And um, so what did we do? Well, we did a referendum. And we circulated the petition. They tried to deceive in the community that we were haters. Hate has no home here. You'd see these signs and things. They were actually trying to uh, uh, trace and follow and shadow anybody with a petition uh, to go on door to door. We were able and shocked them because you have to get uh, 30 days is what you had. We had about 15 days to secure enough signatures. We submitted our signatures to City Hall, then to the Board of Elections, only to have them uh, basically say we were 44 signatures short because they took 59 of the signatures and said, oh, well, these don't match what we have on record. And guess what? One of the promoters of the legislation was the chairwoman of the Board of Elections. Talk about a conflict of interest. Anyways, we fought that all the way to the state Supreme Court is why I bring that up. And unfortunately, over technicality, they threw it out. Nobody wanted to handle this. They're afraid of these people. But yet, Jonathan, what's going on here, as we can see, these are far leftist radical ideas that the general public, because we shocked them in Medina. They thought that we would not be able to get enough signatures. Enough people said, you know what? That's a bridge too far. And it's funny. We went door to door. We didn't go to Republicans' houses. I said to the folks, no, no, go door to door. Uh, This is a community concern and... by goodness, that's what happened. You know what? And people said, you know, you're right. That's a bridge too far of putting men in women's bathrooms or in the locker room showers and athletic programs. The kids shouldn't have to deal with this. I'm with you. Think about that. So it wasn't as if they were against, you know, supporting, uh, you know, as, as far as gay rights. But when it comes to that bridge of like, now you're going to infringe on my rights, that's a bridge too far. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And your experience echoes what I had in Massachusetts, we did the same thing. It was the first successful citizens referendum 
In the last 20 years, there's only been four successful ones in Massachusetts' 400-year history. Wow. And it was, it was the same thing. It was citizens and liberal Massachusetts, of course, realizing that this was a bridge too far. This was a line that they couldn't cross. To put Equality Act in perspective, it's not that you'd be going to state Supreme Courts anymore. It's not that you'd be fighting against your county. You'd be fighting against the federal government, the entire array of all 20 agencies, including the Department of Justice, the FBI, IRS. Everything would be arrayed against individuals bringing claims uh, that would violate the terms of the Equality Act. And so, yeah, as American citizens, we say, well, we'll have our day in court, right? The court's supposed to be this equal arbiter where everyone is equal before the law. Well, what the Equality Act says is that you cannot bring RIFRA as a defense. So the one strong defense that has been effective in the courts up until this point to really hold the line and, and protect our religious freedom, they say that is the very defense that you will not be able to bring. So you can't even have your day in court as you're fighting against the full array of the federal government. That's how extreme this law is. It is just unbelievable, John, that when we stop and we're even talking about this because it's so radicalized, the majority of Americans uh, put to the vote would not support this, yet a very far leftist radical agenda is being pushed. And people would say, well, why is this happening? Well, because that's the money that got behind on the West Coast and in the greater San Francisco area and big tech threw huge amounts of money at these congressmen to get them elected. Now they feel beholden to hold up this very radical sexualization of our country that has nothing to do with Judean Christian principles of which we were based on as a country and which most Americans believe in and embrace. And uh, it's a violation of everything, of everyone else's personal privacy rights. You know, it actually is a violent act. I'd have to say it goes because I know there's people getting angry as we're talking about right now. You said, what do you mean I have no rights? Well, that does cause people to get angry. You know, it's funny. The left just keeps poking and poking and poking, waiting for a response. And the fact is, Jonathan, people have been pretty patient. They've been, you know, been very civil, as it were. Right. Let me read I this. Part. Right. Go. Uh, I want to read this part about the Equality Act unfairly penalizes female athletes by allowing biological men to compete in women's sports. You know, we have an interesting ally. The feminists right. are actually with us on this. Explain. Yeah, well, you have skull-crushing adolescent males literally pummeling their counterpart female athletes in combat sports. Uh, because these males are identifying as women, literally having that. In Connecticut, you're having the top two runners in the state be males, born males beating female uh, athletes, knocking other females off the podium, quite literally standing on the podium and receiving these awards that other fem- that females aren't allowed to get because males are competing, uh, getting them... Uh, not allowing these females to receive scholarships to school to pursue their athletic careers, literally males being in women's sports, knocking them out in terms of combat sports, but knocking them out of the way in terms of pushing them uh, out of the race and then not allowing them to receive their scholarships. So we're, we're, and then there are cases across the country, and specifically in Connecticut, literally fighting those very instances. And, you know, that's, that's just one of another series of aspects that we've mentioned. One, one of the areas of this law is how it goes into your home business. So if you have a home business where you make, you know, for instance, uh, candles and you, you want to sell them and you invite people to come look at your candles, or even if you're placing them online and you have this home business that you're running, this law is so pervasive that it says that you have to have anti-discrimination language in the way you operate your home business. It does not allow even home businesses to be exempt from this. If you're a counselor and you're having folks come to your home and sit on your couch, folks that may have unwanted same-sex attraction or unwanted same-sex behavior in their past, and they're trying to overcome that, this literally says you are not allowed to aid this individual to overcome their past and want to stop participating in actions that they now see are different from from what they uh, want. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know, Jonathan, I've actually had, uh, you know, those in my early Christian life who came out of the homosexual lifestyle and uh, began leading a life that honored Christ and being single of heart and uh, being, uh, you know, um, 
not homosexual, but straight. And again, uh, they may have fought those same-sex attractions, but again, they put it under the cross of Christ and lived for Jesus. Uh, To encourage a person to do, and they were encouraging others to do the same, they would be in violation of this law. Yeah, you wouldn't even be able to sit down with an individual and talk to them. In in certain states where this is already applied, they've touted parents as uh, being child abuse or child abusing their kids to the extent that the state can come in and remove the child if you accompanied that child to uh, a counseling session or if you had them sit with their pastor and help them overcome these unwanted same-sex attractions. That's how perverse and pervasive this law is. And once again, I can't stress that it's the federal government now. Before we were contending with counties, we were contending with individual states, and we still had RIFRA as a defense to win some of these cases. Now it's the actual full force of the federal government coming in and dictating how we live our lives. And there isn't a single area to which they don't want this agenda to permeate. We're talking about H.R. 5. We need you to call your congressman and tell them to vote no. Go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website, uh, and right at the top you will see call your congressman and tell them to vote no on H.R. 5. Under that you'll see uh, contact Congress. Click on that link, again, at the Ohio Christian Alliance website. That's ohioca.org. Or just uh, search that Ohio Christian Alliance with your phone or your tablet or your desktop computer and go right there where it says contact Congress and tell your representative, your representative of Congress to vote no on H.R. 5. In the event you're here this broadcast after the Thursday vote, it's still not too late. It's got to go to the Senate. So vote, call your senator and tell them to to su- not to support H.R. 5, the so-called Equality Act, and for the list- reasons we listed. If you click on that uh, red link, call your congressman, you will see all the points that we've just talked about that Jonathan and I just discussed, and, and rehearse that, familiarize yourself with it, and also send it to family and friends and share it in your church as well. You know, Jonathan, we had a pastor who's normally not uh, political. My daughter said he stood up, Dad, on Sunday, and he said, folks, this is going to be trouble. We need you to do something about it. Talk to us about that. Yeah, that's strong. And I, I encourage shepherds who ought to be meeting in person. I encourage shepherds, however you're getting your word out to your members, to the flock that God has given you to watch over, make sure that you have, you're have reminding them that they're the salt and light in this world. They have the opportunity here in the United States to be engaged and let their voices be heard. And if there's one thing for them to get started on, it would be this law, because this is coming directly to their church. It'll affect the way they worship, but it'll also affect their homes. It'll be uh, their child's school curriculum agenda. It'll be in their child's bathrooms. It'll be in the locker rooms. It'll be in their face every day with the force of government pushing this forward. So this is this is where we draw the line. The citizens were tepid in, in being activated before now is certainly not the time to rest on our loyalty. That's right. The time that we stand up and fight. We need to run to the battle. Jonathan Alexander, again, uh, Legal Counsel, Governmental Affairs of Liberty Council. What's the website for folks to uh, follow Liberty Council? It's lc.org, just five letters, lc.org. Thank you, Jonathan. God bless you, my friend, and we'll have you back on, and our folks will make the calls. Again, uh, go to the website, Ohio Christian Alliance, and click on the congressional link and make calls. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on the other side with an interview with Leo Homan. Western civilization is imploding. Now is the time for all good men to make their stand. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. 
This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue the following is a previously aired broadcast. Okay, and we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about an important article that just popped up uh, this week, and it's written by Leo Homan. He is a veteran investigative reporter and author whose recent books include Stealth Invasion, uh, spent the majority of 2017 among Amazon.com's top 10 books. Uh, he's also been on WorldNet Daily, uh, Front Page Magazine, Drudge Report, uh, he's been on uh, radio pro- uh, television programs of uh, radio programs of Larry Elder and Laura Ingram and others, and on Fox News. So uh, we're going to talk with him about this article that is fascinating because right now we are at a time as the as Christians in the midst of this culture uh, challenge that's in front of us. Whether you want to just say it's COVID nineteen, but it's really demonstrating so many other things right now, and which we're going to have to break from. Uh, it's been a year now that we've been into COVID protocols here in Ohio and across the nation, and it's time for us to start to think independently. Uh, you know, th- this has gone on for far too long. And you're talking to someone, actually, uh, who had COVID back in December. Uh, in fact, f- 14 members of my family had COVID, and we all recovered. Uh, we've had board members that have gotten COVID, and we know people that have actually gotten COVID and passed away. That's true. Uh, it is serious, but at the same time, uh, you know, we need to move on with our lives. We can't continue to have the casualty list, and we're going to list them. We've talked to you on this program that in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to talk with pastors in roundtable discussions about the opiate addiction alcohol explosion problem that's happening here in the state of Ohio and across the country. Uh, also, clinical depression among the general populace, suicide rates are skyrocketed. We've already put in requests through the Ohio legislature to get the suicide rates of 2019 and 2020. And unfortunately, folks, the casualty list is going to be high. And so what must we do as Christians? Well, we need to think clearly. We talked about that at the beginning of this year, how we need to think clearly and and with discernment. And this article that uh, Leo has written really talks about some of those issues that we're facing right now. Uh, Leo, tell us a little bit about the article, Western Civilization is Imploding. Now is the time for all good men to make their stand. Explain. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Chris. Um, I just got the feeling, uh, just uh, through the normal functions of living my normal life, that we may be we may be getting close to the point where if we don't push back on some of these regulations and restrictions, that it, it may end up being too late. Um, they're already becoming habit. Uh, when people, first it's an annoying regulation, then it's kind of something you mumble about and wish you didn't have. But after a few weeks and months go by, and now we're almost at a year that these things have been in place, it it get, becomes to be ingrained, and I've talked to a lot of people who tell me they don't even realize they have their masks on anymore, and that that really jolted me um, because the mask to me, uh, people can say, well, it's just a mask. You you hear that a lot. It's just this. It's just that. Well, I got to thinking, you know, from a historical perspective, uh, when you look at 
things that went down in other countries and revolutionary movements in other countries. And that's, by the way, what I feel like is going on in this country, is we're in the middle of a revolutionary movement. The mass just happens to be, and COVID uh, just happens to be one of the tools that these globalist elites who are trying to um, get a tighter grip on the way uh, people live their lives, not just in America, but throughout the world. The, the World Economic Forum is kind of the leader on this, and I, this is not my words, it's theirs. Klaus Schwab tells us that he's the founder and president of the World Economic Forum that, quote, the COVID pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect reimagine and reset our world and he's talking about this global reset is going that they have planned is going to impact every industry and every facet of our lives well i don't know about you but i don't want klaus schwab at the world economic forum telling me how i should live my life and so i look at the mask is just uh, a key symbol a key symbol if you look at it by itself and its substance, it might not be that big a deal, but it is a huge symbol of obedience to what they're trying to get us to do. And I feel like if we don't push back pretty soon, it's going to be too late. And what's going to come down the pike next? Mandatory vaccines, I think we, you can almost bank on that. And, but who knows what else? And so I felt like, uh, you know, a after seeing people walking around in the grocery stores and whatnot, and so few of them, so few, Chris, I I'm estimating 2%, and this is in Georgia where I live, a state where it's not even a law. Our governor, our legislature has not passed any law or nor any executive order forcing people uh, or businesses to require masks. Now, the businesses, the grocery stores in particular, all have signs up saying, uh, you must put on a mask to enter our store, but they don't enforce it. I don't know that they're even legally able to enforce it. I guess they could if they wanted to, but I, for one, have been not have not put on a mask yet, and I have not been told to leave a single store. Um, so why are people following it? They either believe the lies that the mask works, or they're just afraid to go against the grain, maybe afraid to be confronted by some mask wearer and asked, you know, why are you putting me in danger or something like that? I don't know, but I feel like whatever the reason, now is the time to push back. Well, that's right. And, you know, my wife and I were just talking. She's an RN. She's a nurse. And when this all broke last year, uh, they were talking about, well, uh, the masks don't really work. This is in her team meetings, okay, at the hospital. The masks don't really work, but if nurses feel more comfortable wearing the mask, then go ahead but it wasn't required, and again, by the old, by their own admission, the mask was not an effective way to prevent uh, contraction with the virus. Dr. Fauci said that early on. Then he changed right. his mind, and then now it's become a mandate, and it's become a symbol. Uh, and then, of course, if you're following the science, think of my own case. Uh, I got COVID in December. I recovered. Um, and so I should be, I am immune. And so following the science, I can neither acquire the virus anymore or give it. Even at a three-month month minimum, which I believe it's much longer, I've talked to people who have had the virus a year ago, and they've been exposed to other people that have had it, and they were, they've been immune. So, you know, none of this is logical. This is, this is all hysteria at this point. And it's it's a fear factor with people. But I want to talk about, and I, I'm so glad that you brought this up about going into a grocery store because, you know, I'm the type of person that I like to go out and talk to strangers. You know, so when I'm in the line and I like to, when I see kids and families and I like to talk to them, we can't talk to each other. We got this muzzle on. They can't see whether I'm smiling or frowning. Uh, we can't, you know, I'm mumbling. So what, you know, this guy, this strange guy's mumbling at me. You can't really hear me, right? So we don't communicate. Everybody's in their own little world, isolated. So I, as a Christian minister, I'm saying, and as a Christian, if we're to be the salt and light of the world, we're to demonstrate the love of Christ unto others, then we should be communicating with them, especially when you're seeing people, they look down, they look depressed, they look dejected, they're isolated, they're alone, even though they're in the store, and then they're running from people. They don't want to be, you know, you could be infected. It, I mean, it's madness when you think about it. So, again, 
you know, my own situation, you know, in my, my family, we've all, we've had it, we've gotten over it, we can't contract it nor spread it, according to the science. But it's not about science. It becomes about control and manipulation. I like what you've talked about here. You're really striking a chord. Leo, what I find is challenging, when I talked about having pastors come on this program, I know that some of those pastors are constrained by the protocols of their own denominations. Even though they may feel the same way that you and I do, and they're, they're, they're fed up. I talked with one pastor. He actually resigned. He said, I got so fed up with having to deal between the two. Half the congregation in fear and hysteria, and the other, uh, other half of the congregation saying, you know, why are we still doing this? Why are you keeping us divided? Why aren't we having our Bible classes? Why aren't we gathering? He said, it was insane after a while. So he said, I've resigned. I've gone into an independent ministry. I think as I go around and talk to my pastors around the state, I'm going to find similar stories. So not only are the churches hurting, the leaders of those churches, the clergymen are hurting, and they're, they're in an impossible situation. So when I bring up to them, they said, don't even get me started about COVID-19, because I have to face it every week between two different worldviews concerning this thing. Your thoughts? Well, isn't that just convenient for people who are trying to make a power grab on the world stage and, uh, you know, turn America, the, the largest and oldest constitutional republic uh, on the earth right now? Uh, America has long been the one um, barricade, the one obstacle towards this, this drive towards global governance. And so what better way... Uh, to, to to dismantle, to destroy, to weaken uh, that one um, free constitutional republic that wants to remain independent, at least it did under independently sovereign under Donald Trump. Things are changing now. But what better way to weaken it than to divide the people? Mm. Chris, I've lost close friends over this. We, uh, My family and another family, we have been friends for 20 years. We were best friends. When this all came up, uh, my friend wanted to be a mask wearer. He thought it helped. Um, and we've since kind of patched up our relationship, but our two wives still don't talk to each other. Um, so it, it really is a divisive thing, and I feel like that was by design uh, to bring in this global reset, which would never would have been a lot, would never would have been um, a, they would have never been able to do that with a strong America. We're talking with Leo Homan. He is an author. He has written an article that uh, we're going to post on our website. We wanted you to read it. It's called Western Civilization is Imploding. Now is the time for all good men to make their stand. Let's talk for a minute about that, that men, you know, uh, actually have a role to play here. And yet we see the emasculation of masculinity in our society. Okay. And what's going on? Well, the white male is actually becoming uh, the target of everyone's animus and uh, disdain right now. Uh, you know, with the social justice movement, uh, with Black Lives Matter, you know, if you're, you know, I, I hear it from men all the time. It's like, well, the Human Resources Department, I'm listed last. Uh, you know, I'm castigated in my role. Uh, I don't have enough points for... Uh, any kind of recognition. It's not based upon merit or how you do your job. Uh, if you show up on time, if you're faithful at work, if you uh, carry the workload of not just yourself and others, that's not the merit. The merit is some other kind of identity politics within the office. Talk to us about that, Leo. Yeah. Men have been under attack for a long time in our culture, Chris. We've, we've seen that in the entertainment industry. You know, I, I can remember even back in the 80s when they started you know, making the the father look like this doofus, you know, in the in the half hour comedy shows and whatnot, you know, Archie Bunker and what have you. Um, but they've definitely taken it to a new level, um, even more recently. And um it, it's a Marxist it's it's based on Marxist critical theory, which is uh, you know, part of the whole cultural Marxist movement that came out of Germany in the 1930s and 40s and ended up basing themselves here in America after World War II. And they realized that they could not bring in the Marxist utopia uh, under traditional Marxism, which, which divided people, what, along class lines. 
that just simply wasn't working in America, and it wasn't working in any of the Western democracies. And so they switched from this economic uh, theory, uh, which Marxism was, was mostly economic, the class warfare, you know, the rich against the poor, divide them that way. They switched from that to cultural divisions. And so they started pitting men against women. They started pitting people racially and ethnically against each other, blacks against whites. Um, and, and you see it now with the immigrant and the, and the native-born and, and they flood the country with immigrants to the point where the country gets all kinds of prob- immigrant-related problems, and then they turn on the immigrants, and you have more division. So it's just classic Marxist theory, which is divide the country up into groups, pit those groups against each other, and then you just go with classic divide-and-conquer strategies, and before you know it, you've weakened the country, and you've opened the gates for the final takeover, which, in my estimation, that could be what we're looking at now with this Biden administration, which played themselves off as the more moderate Democrat. Yeah, right. Well, we all know that there's nothing moderate coming out of this administration so far. They are Marxist to the core, uh, starting with Kamala Harris. Uh, she, she actually was trained at the Rockwood Institute, which is a, a Marxist organization that trains people, uh, up-and-coming politicians, Stacey Abrams, uh, was trained there, Kamala Harris, uh, the guy who ran for governor and lost against DeSantis, I don't remember his name, Andrew Gillum was his name, he, yep. he was trained there. You know, so th- this is a Marxist uh, identity problem that we're dealing with here now in this country. The problem is most people don't recognize it, and so they still think they're fighting against Democrats, and so they think this is just politics as usual. Whoa, don't worry that the election was stolen, don't worry that they're doing all these things and not even passing laws through Congress. Uh, we'll get them in 2022, don't you worry. The Republicans will gain control of the House and Senate, and we'll be back to, back to normal. No, if this is what I believe it is, there's not going to be any uh, free and fair elections in 2022. Why? Because Marxists, when the, once they gain power, uh, Chris, they don't give it up. They, they make, they literally, their entire goal is a one-party police state. A one-party police state. And so well, we've already received... That's right. We've, we've gotten alerts today that uh, they're going to be pushing nationalized elections of, like, uh, ba- uh, mail-in ballots uh, in every state, like nationalizing elections. Right now, each state has its own election laws. Uh, you know, And right. so if they were to do that and push that bill through, and if the courts wouldn't object it, we'd be in a real uh, trouble. Um, you know, so we, what we saw happen in Georgia and in, uh, Pennsylvania and Michigan would be nationwide and we would begin losing, uh, an avalanche of elections, uh, because, uh, it would be fraught with fraud, quite honestly. Absolutely. Uh, I truly, I think that the Republican Party will, will stick around in theory, but it'll be just a paper tiger. It'll be basically controlled opposition. Uh, we already see Mitch McConnell acting like the quintessential controlled opposition uh, politician, right? He, he's there to argue a little bit uh, against the Democrats, but then when the, you know when the chips fall, uh, he's, you, he, he tells you whose side he's really on, right? He, he, he tells you that he's, he's not on your side, even though he may vote the right way occasionally uh, when you really need him. To, to provide the leadership to really fight back against these horrific Marxist policies that were coming out of this administration, he's going to be nowhere to be found. We are talking with um, Leo Holman. He is the author of Western Civilization is Imploding. Now is the time for all good men to take their stand. The article will be up on our website. Uh, Leo, how can folks uh, contact you directly and see uh, many of your writings? They can uh, check out my website at leohoman.com. That's L-E-O, last name Homan, H-O-H-M-A-N-N, two N's at the end of it. And um, they can follow me on Gab and also the Homan Report on Facebook. And so those are the main ways to reach out to me right now. Um, I'm hoping that I can continue writing without being deplatformed. A lot of people are being deplatformed right now from WordPress, from Facebook, Twitter. I've been my Twitter account was suspended about a week ago, 
uh, I'm still on Facebook, and, and I've joined recently joined Gab, so they can follow me on Gab.com. We've talked about that uh, on this program. In fact, on our website is the options for MeWe. Uh, Gab uh, Parlor is back online as to uh, its function in the coming weeks is yet to be uh, unknown, uh, whether it's going to be what it was previously. Uh, then, of course, uh, we have Rumble uh, as an exchange for uh, YouTube. And so we've encouraged our people, and, of course, our website is getting an overhaul as well. And because communication is going to be key going forward, we are seeing censorship like we've never seen in our lives. Uh, we are seeing the limitation on freedoms and civil liberties like we've never experienced. I'm in my early 60s, Leo, and I've never seen anything like this, never even heard of anything like this. And so uh, I'm in my late 50s, and I could honestly say the same thing. Sometimes I feel like I'm living the book 1984 by George Orwell. So we are in uh, a crisis of the times. There's no doubt about that. We're going to detail that in the coming weeks on this program. But we're going to also give uh, some ways in which we can be focused and purposed in how we can fight back the resistance. Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, because it does, the calamity is among us, <laughs> and uh, the political picture in Washington is, is going to become more bleak. Uh, what can we do as uh, Christian citizens going forward? I think uh, you mentioned one thing that's critical, communication lines, keeping those lines open. Uh, there may be a time where we're no longer able to commit a, communicate digitally on these platforms. But what does that mean? If if we're living isolated lives where we don't even know who our neighbors are, we don't really know who our church members are, uh, then then we're going to be in a in a in a world of hurt when the the hard persecution comes. We're already living in the soft persecution. Uh, I I don't see it softening up anymore. If anything, it's going to get harder. And so the only way to deal with that for the body of Christ is for us to be in relationship with each other. So get out, get to know your neighbors, Christian, non-Christian, find out who they are, what are their values, and see if there's things that you can cooperate on. Um, and and, and the, the other thing is we, we cannot, we must resist. We must resist unconstitutional, illegal executive orders and laws. When we when we think about men today and the challenges that they have around them, so uh, I talk to people, they say, well, you don't understand you're not in the corporate world. Uh, we have these weekly or uh, every other week a briefing by the Human Resources Department of how we should be conducting ourselves, meaning protocol of attitude and um, comportment uh, at our at our workplace. It, it yeah, what is that about? I mean, I thought it was about what the job description is and following through. What's going on here, Leo? No, your friends are absolutely right. I've been told the same thing from my friends who work in the corporate world. A lot of them uh, who worked, uh, we have um, Delta Airlines is based here in Atlanta, and so we have a lot of Delta workers around here. And that company, I'm telling you, it, they tell me it used to be one of the most beautiful companies to work for. And uh, over the last five, six, seven years, it has just become ghastly. And and these men are actually, many of them, retiring early just to get out of there. It is so It has become such a horrific place to work. Um, and and so this is a real thing. This is they're making it up very uncomfortable for people, especially like you mentioned earlier in the program. If you're a white male, uh, you you are really being put in some bad situations and being told to believe some things that are, are frankly lies uh, and and frankly racist uh, because it's these things are based completely on the color of one's skin, which we know is is not only anti-biblical but. Uh, just plain wrong, even in just a common sense. Anyone with common sense can figure out that this is wrong. And um, and so you don't treat people different ways based on the color of their skin, but that's exactly what's going on. And uh, so it is real. My advice to those people is get out if you can. You know, if you're able to get out and retire early, do so. If you're young and you're not able to retire, look for a different career. Uh, if you, you may have a certain uh, wonderful skill set that you could start a, your own small business, 
you could uh, go to work for a smaller company. The smaller the company, typically the less rigid these uh, these um, these racist uh, HR policies are going to be. And so there there's things that people need to start thinking about uh, for action items this year, and maybe uh, have a have a one and a two year plan um, in place. That's, those are great points. Uh, again, we're talking with Leo Holman. We're going to have the article on our website. Uh, and again, the title of the, the article is Western Civilization is Imploding. Now is the time for all good men to make their stand. You know, when we talk about the threats to the First Amendment and freedom of speech, uh, Tulsi Gabbard was on with Tucker Carlson a few weeks ago about how alarmed she is as a Democrat, uh, uh, what she sees happening, and the totalitarianism of the times. She says, the thing to do is to keep speaking. Keep using your First Amendment rights. Don't let them shut you down and censor you. Speak your mind, speak your peace. And I could think of no better way. You know, they used to say, uh, you know, use it or lose it. Uh, my uncle, who's 96, he says, keep moving, meaning physically. If you keep moving, then you won't be in a chair and you won't be in a bed. And... Uh, I think that's what we need to do, Leo, is to exercise our constitutional rights. Your thoughts? Absolutely. You know, Eric Metaxas, the the great uh, Christian writer uh, of our, one of the great Christian writers of our day, said, what is faith? Uh, What is courage? Courage is faith in a crisis. And right now we're in a crisis, and we need to have courage. And all that courage really is, is having faith in God at this time. Thank you, Leo, for being my guest today. God bless you, and we really appreciate this article you wrote. Same to you. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. And if you missed any of our program today, you can visit us at our website at ohioca.org. Help us stay on the air here on the radio station by making a contribution of any size right there on our website. Again, at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.